So John talked about uh, looking at his phone and the uses of his phone. Um, Wednesday at lunchtime, my phone rang. It was Pastor Randy. If you were expecting him this morning instead of me, uh, there's a reason. It has three letters, F-L-U. Pastor Randy said, I went to the doctor this morning and they said I have the flu. So we want to pray for him that he'll be wise in his recovery because he's too rambunctious to want to stop and recover very much. But he said, will you preach for me Sunday? What if you got that call? <laughs> Why are you laughing? It wasn't funny. I was, Kathy lets me come to the senior choir. I, I, will, I will hesitate to say sing in the senior choir, but she lets me come to the senior choir, and I've really enjoyed being a part of that group. But I'll tell you, I had concern this morning because I knew that they were singing, and I was afraid that they were going to stay in the choir loft while I was preaching, and they would be making faces <laughs> while I was preaching. <laughs> And they would distract you. So we'll let something else distract you uh, except other than them. So that is a wonderful group. If you would like to have better friends than you have now, you can come join our choir. I can testify that you don't have to be a singer, but you have to be one who's willing. And uh, we, we would be more than happy uh, each year in the spring and in the fall, we do a choir tour. Now, when I was in the youth group, we used to do a choir tour. Anne-Marie, you've been on a lot of those, haven't you, Marie? Um, and uh, we would get on a bus and go somewhere. Well, nowadays, our choir tours, we get in a bus or a car, and we go to the different care centers in the city and, and even one that's outside the city. And we have a, we'll work on a program. That song that you heard today is one of our favorite songs. It, it's so meaningful to us. And so meaningful to us, I'm going to use most of it in our sermon today. But it is meaningful to go and share with people who can't come out and go to places like we can. So, so think about that. Pray about that. Um, so the song tells us that God knows our name. He knows my name is the way it begins. But there are two people involved in that song. One is he. Who is the he in the song? The he in the song is God. Clayton read for us in the, uh, from the Exodus story how Moses was called by God to go and bring the children of Israel out of their misery, uh, out of the difficulty of being slaves in Egypt, um, to the promised land. And so what we, what we read in that passage is that, that they knew something about who God was. Moses said, I am has sent me to you. It's important for us to know something about God. And our source for knowing about God, well, primarily is the scriptures. 
We know about God in the scriptures because he reveals himself to us. He shows us his character. He shows us his energy. He shows us his life as we really read and study the scripture. John said to us, you know, we got to make sure we're reading our Bible and we read our Bible daily. It is so important because that's where we learn about who he is. In the Philippians passage, we read that was our memory verse today that that God exalted Jesus to to a place of, of greatest exaltation so that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in earth, in heaven, and even under the earth, those who are already gone away from the earth, that we will bow our knee and confess that he is the Lord. Now, it is important for us to remember that this idea is that we know who we're calling out to. In Hebrews 11, 6, we read these words. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We live in a world today, our culture today, in our nation, around the world too, but in our nation, many places in the world, people don't believe that God exists. Now, they may say, oh yeah, there must be a God out there somewhere. However, how do they live? Do they live as they believe that God exists? No, we understand that. And people, even people who are profess faith in Jesus Christ don't necessarily live as though they believe that God exists. The, the key thing that we start with is that we believe that God is. That's his name. He is the I am. He is the one who was before. He is the one who is now. And he is the one who will always be. He is eternal. Now, we don't understand what that means in the fullest sense, but we understand that what Jesus and God the Father say to us is that they are. He is. So one of the places that you begin with a relationship with God is to begin by saying, I believe he exists. Another thing that we say is that we believe that God can be known. That's what the Old Testament and the New Testament do. They give us the names of God, but they give us an opportunity to say, I believe that not only God exists, but that I can know him. In Genesis 12, we have the story of Abram. And Abram was in the Ur, left Ur of the Chaldees and went to his, his father's place. Uh, and uh, when he was there one day, God spoke to him. And so it, this is recorded for us in Genesis 12. It says, the Lord said to Abram. Now, do you get that? The Lord said to Abram. Leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. The next verse says, So Abram left as God told him. Abram understood something, that God had a plan for him, that that God was 
calling him to do something he'd never done before, something which was out of character for him and for his people. We understand that we can know God. Not only can we know God's name, but as we go deeper into our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we can know more about who God is. I hope that you're reading through the Bible, but you won't get bogged down in certain places, but that you'll understand that every page that you read something about God is a revelation of who God is that you can know God in that way. Abram knew God as a voice that called him. Later on, Abram's going to hear that voice again. God had promised to make Abram Abraham. Abraham means father of many. And so Abram became Abraham, and God gave him a son, Isaac. Now, that's a good story, long story. Pastor Jesse and I have been talking about Genesis. We're getting ready for Randy. You know, he's in January, and in February he's going to preach Genesis, so we're, we're trying to get ready for that. I hope you'll get ready for it too. But Abram heard the voice of God again at a later day, and God said, I gave you a son. Now take that son and go to a mountain that I will show you. And on that mountain, I want you to sacrifice him. Can you imagine greater shock? Emory, the, the death of those children for that, from the lady that wrote our hymn, how great a shock was that to her. But, but God said to Abraham, you need to go and do this. Obey. And the scripture says in that story, in the next morning, early, early the next morning, Abraham began to prepare for the journey. He got wood. He got his servants. He got his son and began a journey, a journey to where in his heart he couldn't imagine that this was truly what God had spoken to him. But he did. He spoke to him, and Abram believed, Abraham believed that it was the voice of God, and he believed he ought to obey that voice. It was a pattern that was beginning to really be a part of Abraham's life, obedience. And so, in a couple of days, they got to a place, and God said, this is the place. This is the place. Leave the servants, take the materials, and go up to the mountain. So it says that Abraham put the wood on Isaac's back. Wow. Isaac had a question. Where's the sacrifice? Abraham's answer is an answer that we have to give sometimes in our own understanding of how God is at work in our life. Abraham said, God will provide. God will provide. Now, if you believe God exists and you believe God can speak to you, then you have to understand that when he speaks to you, it is powerful. So they go up the mountain called Moriah. Later on, we're going to say it's place where the city of Jerusalem grew up. It is a place of the sacrifice. Who was sacrificed on that? Look up there. Jesus. That's where he was sacrificed. So, so it says that he built an altar. 
Now, what it means when he says he built an altar, he took stones that were around and he piled up those stones and raised up a platform. And he put the wood on that platform. Then it says he tied Lot. He tied Isaac's body. He tied it. Now, at this point, we believe that we're pretty sure that Isaac was a teenager. And so think about that relationship. That, the, that, that he would allow his father, a teenager would allow his father to time up and say, you're going to be on the sac- you're going to be the sacrifice. So it says that he placed Isaac on the altar and he drew his knife. Now, how do you do a sacrifice in that time? Well, we might say, well, he just stabbed him. No, that's not what happened. What happened was that the neck of the sacrifice was sliced so that the blood of that body could be poured out. Abraham raised his knife. And the scripture gives us a miraculous thing. That voice came again and said, Abraham, not just once, but it says, Abraham, Abraham, God got his attention. I believe that you've trusted me. I believe that you've trusted me, Abraham. And so Abraham knew something about God. He knew that God could speak, but he also knew that God had plans. And so it says that God said, look around, and there was a ram, it says. An animal was caught in a thicket by its horns. And and, uh, so God said, take that animal and offer it as the sacrifice. Do you think there was a relief that came over Abraham? When he knew that what God asked him to do, he had done? However, God made a provision greater than what he could understand. The provision of Jesus Christ as the sacrifice for our sins is something beyond our really true understanding. And so in that story, Abraham gives God a name. Now, there are many places in Scripture where God's name is given. And you can go through and go through, and each character that we read in the Scripture that indicates a relationship with God, uh, they experience him in a certain kind of way that, that they are able to identify a name for him. In that story, in Genesis, the name that, God, the name that Abraham gives to God is Jehovah-Jireh. Excuse my Hebrew, I'm not so good at that. But, but it means what it means is that God is the provider. For us to understand as we live in this world, when God speaks to us and we hear his voice clearly and we understand he has a, he has a work for us to do. This morning in our Sunday school class, uh, Larry was telling us that, that God has purpose for us. When we understand God's purpose for us, then what we can understand is not only is it his purpose for us, but then we are called to obey that purpose. Jehovah Jireh, the name God provides. But the ultimate name that we understand is a name which is going to come, and and, uh, we just had Christmas time, and and there was a little girl, a young teenager, and one day... She had a visitor who was an angel. That's another scary thing, right? 
that an angel would show up. But the angel says, not only have I come, I've come to give you your purpose. You're going to have a baby. And Mary said, wait a minute. that's That's not a place where I am right now is to have a baby. But the angel says to her, the Holy Spirit will come over you and you will bear a son. And you will give that son a name. It's important that we understand that the name that the angel said for Mary, and later for Joseph, he tells the same thing, that name that baby boy that's coming, Jesus. It means God saves. We need to understand the name of God is that his, his desire for us is to save us, to give us salvation, to give us an eternal life with him salvation. Some people are willing to believe maybe there's a God out there somewhere. And maybe they're to believe that the Bible has some good stuff in it. Maybe we ought to do a few things that the Bible says. But they're not willing to go to that last part in which the name of Jesus says, I will save you. Now, how does that happen? The scripture is very clear to us that those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God has a son, his name is Jesus, and that God sent his son into this world, and that God gave his son as a sacrifice for us, but not just a sacrifice, but a risen sacrifice, that, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So many people think that well, may, may, it has to be more complicated than that, but the scripture doesn't indicate to us it's more complicated than that. It, that's what it is. And it is the first step in a new life. That Jesus, that, that one who saves, comes and by his spirit indwells us. And that same Jesus that comes and dwells us by his spirit helps us to read his word and study his word and know his word. That's, that's the foundational stuff. But I love the song that we sang this morning. I, Kathy, I was singing over there on the front pew. Is that okay? Because that song says something so special to us. God has a message for you. In your life and in the circumstances of your life, in the way that you are living, the way you're thinking, That song says, he knows my name. He knows my every thought. Now, stop and think about that for a second. God knows your thoughts. He knows your thoughts before they come to you. Psalm 139 uh, says that, that... God placed in us a, 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 a way for us to uh, connect to him. It says not only did he form our bodies, but he inhabits our thinking. He inhabits our way of, war, of living and speaking. And that that is a critical point for us, not only... Do we know God and know something about God and know that God loves us through his son, Jesus Christ? 
But he knows us. He knows our very thoughts. I don't know what you're thinking about this morning. Some of you are thinking about lunch. Be honest. Some of you are thinking about circumstances in your life. You may be thinking about a thing that the doctor has told you about your body. You may be thinking about a call that you got that said one of your loved ones passed away. You may be thinking about any number of different things. God knows your thoughts. He created you. He formed you. And in fact, in Psalm 139, it says, even before you were formed, God knew you and knew about you in the darkness of the earth before you were even formed. You need to stop and remember that. God knows your thoughts. He inhabits you and your thoughts. The next thing that the song says is that he, said, he, he sees our tears. Now, sometimes tears come down your cheek, right? But sometimes tears go into your heart. They're beyond tears that come down your cheek. They are, they're, they're tears that are a demonstration of the struggle, the pain that you're going through. I found a little verse. I, I thought I'd read it before. But in Psalm 56, 8, it says, Record my laments. List my tears on your scroll. Some translations use that little phrase right there. It says, capture my tears in a bottle. That's a pretty vivid idea, isn't it? That, that there are no wasted tears in your life. There's nothing wasted. God has a, a recollection of that. The, the last phrase of that says, are they not in your record? Are they not in your record, God? Don't, haven't you always remembered the struggles of my life? When that difficulty came, when that message came, and it, we, we say it breaks our heart sometimes to get messages like that. God has recorded our feelings. We know God. We know Jesus Christ loved us so much. He, the, the Philippians passage, just past where we read this morning, says that he humbled himself even to death and even to death on the cross. In that passage is a real difficult thing for us. As we think about Jesus on the cross, the Gospels tell us that God turned his face away from, his, from our sin that was on him while he was on the cross. God has recorded all of our life. He records it continuously. He knows the pains that you feel. The, the tears that you cry, whether they're on your cheek or whether in your heart, God is recording those things. He knows you. You're not alone. I remember years ago we had a member whose name was Lydia Manu, and Lydia uh, lived uh, uh, by herself. And uh, people would say, Lydia, don't you get lonely? 
And Liddy would say, I'm never alone. I'm never alone because I know that God is always with me. In every circumstance of your life, he knows your tears, and he wants you to know that you are not alone in that struggle. The third thing that thing says in our song is, um, is that he hears me when I call. Now, when he hears me when I call is an indication that when we offer our prayers, they're not offered. Some people I've heard say, when I pray, I feel like my prayers don't get further than the ceiling. Maybe you've felt that way with your prayers. But I'm not sure where my prayers go. I'm not sure what happens when I pray. The scripture says to us in Hebrews 7, Therefore, he is able to save to, the, to completely those who come to him, come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. In Romans, it also says a similar thing to that. It says to us that today, right now, this very minute, if you're offering a prayer in your heart because of a heaviness of a circumstance or, or a feeling that you have that some of this you want to understand, but it's, it, it really is not real to you yet, you're offering a prayer and God hears your prayers. Not only does God hear your prayers, this word intercede means that your prayers are captured by Jesus Christ and translated to a better way to the Father. Now you may say, well, I don't know exactly what to say when I pray, and that's okay. You just have to open your heart and put out what's in your heart. And the scripture says that when you do that, God gives you grace. He helps you to understand the power of his love is greater than the difficulty of your circumstance. And then when you pray to him, he hears your prayers. Now, one thing we know about God, and the scripture tells us very clearly, God always keeps his promises. If you can read in the scripture the promises of God, and you can understand your circumstance, then you can believe that God not only hears your prayers, but he has an answer for your prayer. Now, the problem with that is his answer oftentimes is better than our answer. You know what I mean? We want what we want. God wants what we need. He needs, his needs are, are met in us through the work of his spirit and the work of his word. I understand that a lot of this you say, well, I've heard that before. So, uh, John, Pastor Randy, is he on a tear or something? Read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. I love that. It's true. We ought to always, every day, and even more than part of that day, we ought to read it. But not only read the Bible, we ought to memorize the Bible. We ought to memorize certain passages. Do you have life verses, they're called? Passages of Scripture that have spoken to you, that have entered your heart, that have encouraged you, that have helped you to get over whatever your circumstance of difficulty was. If you don't, then you need to get going with that. 
And you may say, well, I can't memorize. And you can say, I've heard that a lot. But you can also understand that what God is doing is not at work in your mind to memorize a verse. It's a work in your heart to place it in a place where it can be used in your circumstances. How, does it, how do you do that? I always like to go back to a passage in Ephesians 4, verse 21 down to verse 23. And in that passage, it says, um, this is what you need to do. Take off the old things. Take off the old things. Now, as, as before we were believers in Jesus Christ, and maybe still some things now, we, we have those things that we cling to, that we hold on to. Paul says to those beloved Ephesian Christians, set aside those things. Take those things out of your heart. Then in verse 23 he says, now here, not, you don't just take things out of your heart, but what you, do, you have to do, you have to put something new in there. And the new thing you have to put in your heart is the character of Christ. Later on in just a few more verses, Paul is going to say, you're living in this world, and you know what? You better take care, because there's an enemy out there. Do you know there's an enemy out there? In that passage in Ephesians 5, says, Paul says, he's shooting flaming arrows at you. Do you ever feel like your circumstances have hit you like a framing, flaming arrow? Yeah, we all have. But he says in that passage that God has made a provision. It is the word. It is the word of the spirit. It is the scriptures that God gives to us. What do we put into the place of those? We call it, as when I used to do a lot more counseling, I would say, you have to do a substitute. The devil puts a thought in your mind. He does. He brings back old memories. He brings out difficulties of this world. When you look at the stories about the wars that are going on in our world, does it tug at your heart? Does it make you feel bad? Yeah, it does. But then we have this extra thing that we can do. We can take the time to put the word of God and substitute it for those feelings. It is good. In James 4, James writes these words. The scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, how do you resist? You, you can't resist the devil in your own strength. That flaming arrow will get you if you try to resist the devil in your own strength. You have to resist the devil by submitting yourself to the word of God. And you cannot submit yourself to the word of God unless you're, we're in, we're, you're in or you're working through passages in the word of God. The name of God is very important. And you need to be learning more about that. 
Pastor Jesse and I were talking about. We, we've both been reading through Genesis, as we said earlier, and, and we both said, oh, you know, I saw some things I hadn't seen before. Now, I don't know about you, but when Pastor Jesse says something in the Bible he hadn't seen before, that's big to me. Because I think he knows a lot of what's in the Bible. But God is continuing to reveal himself to us. He is continuing to show us things about who he is, and he continues to call us to respond, to submit to those words. Submit to those words. Another thing, and this is a true confession time, another thing that happens to me a lot of times is if, if my thoughts get all gobbled up, garbled, all those kinds of things, and I think, God, I've got to, um, I've got to figure this thing out. Many years ago now, God gave me a song. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart to stay. And other songs he's given me over time. And those are the things which come to my mind, which I use to substitute for those negative thoughts. We're going to have a hymn of decision in a minute, and then Anne-Marie and Marie are going to help us practice a little bit of that. So as you think about these things, as you think about what decisions you have to make, as you think about the things that God has put into your heart, are they things from him? Are they truths that are more powerful than the darkness of this world? And if they are, thank him and, and give glory to Jesus Christ. Now, as we sing this morning, I want you to think about the words that we're going to be singing because those words are what God uses to go into your heart, not just into your mind, but go into your heart. And by going into your heart, those things can make a difference. He knows your very thoughts. He knows all the tears that you cry. And he hears all of your prayers. Let's pray right now. God, you have given us thoughts from your word, which are superior to the thoughts that the world gives to us. And as we understand the superiority of your word in our life, we pray that you would open our heart, not just to receive it in our mind, but to receive it so that it changes us into the very character of Christ. We live in a dark world that needs the light of Jesus Christ. Help us to be in so in tune with you that what happens is that we become lights to those who still live in darkness. We ask this in Jesus' name because he told us to. We ask this in Jesus' name because it is the name above which every name is, is ever existed and it is the name at which every knee will bow to the Father to give glory to him who is worthy of receiving our glory. We thank you for the promises of your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. And we pray that it would penetrate us in a way that we would be out going out of this place as changed people. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.